Welcome to the Grace Story Podcast, where inspiring stories are brought to life. This podcast is made possible by Grace College and Seminary, located on the shores of Winona Lake in the great state of Indiana. I'm your host, Dr. Drew Flam. This is the Grace Story Podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Darren and Stacy Gagnon. Darren and Stacy met at junior college in Arizona and then transferred to Grace, looking for a school where they could finish their education and play some sports. They have seven kids, Bailey, Silas, Isaac, Ellie, Joel, Israel, and Zori, and their family story became a national inspiration after a blog post from Stacy went viral and their family was featured on the Today Show in 2017. Since then, Stacy and Darren launched Lost Sparrows, Inc. Lost Sparrows is dedicated to improving the lives of orphans and those with special needs through education, proper medical care, and adoption, and currently focused in areas in Eastern Europe and Bulgaria. There's so much more to the story than that, and I'm looking forward to getting into it. So why don't we jump right in? Darren and Stacy, thank you for being with us on the podcast. Thanks for having us. I have not had the honor of meeting you before, but I've gotten to know your son Israel a little bit because he's in the same classroom as my son Jaden, and I must say he has one of the best smiles I have ever seen, and uh, just a joy whenever he he smiles from across the room. So, and he is one of your how many adopted children? Five. Five. Five of seven. Just a small little group there that you have going. So uh, take us back to Arizona um, a few years ago when you guys met. Um, tell us a little bit about your time there, and then how in the world did you decide to pick up and move to northern Indiana? Yeah. So in uh, in the 90s, when we, both of us were from uh, similar towns close by each other, we ended up at the same junior college. Very late 90s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We won't say any years. Um, so... So we met at the junior college. Stacy was playing volleyball. Uh, I was playing basketball. So we ran the same circles. We ran into each other, started dating um, our freshman year, and then so knew we needed to transfer a year later, right? End of our sophomore year. And um, both of us wanted to go to a Christian school. So we were looking for somewhere to go. Never had heard of Grace College, had no idea, you know. So, but uh, Stacy's roommate um, was headed this way, was coming to Grace College. She had been from Phoenix and was from a Grace Brethren church. And so through those conversations, Stacy found out about Grace College, and then both of us ended up uh, getting scholarships and coming out for a couple of years. So both of you played volleyball and then basketball here as well at Grace. Correct. Correct. Awesome. And what were your majors at Grace? Um, education. Okay. And biology. Now, what's funny is you've sort of like switched, right? So you did education, but Stacy, now you're in more of the medical side of things, right? Correct. So now um, I went back because one of us needed to make money because teachers <laughs> don't make a lot. And so I went back and I got my RN um, after that. And you started in biology, but now teach here locally yeah. at Warsaw High School. Yeah, taught for, uh, well, got into teaching so that I could coach high school basketball. And then that's just, you know, teaching has been such a great career for being a family guy. Awesome. Yeah, you just decided to have your own basketball team amongst your family there. Working on a baseball team. (laughs) 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 So uh, tell me a little bit of your story. Um, How did God lay on your heart um, adoption and then um, adoption, especially of some kids with um, special circumstances? Uh, How did he lay that on your, your heart? as a couple? 
Not gently. <laughs> <laughs> we, I laugh because if you would have asked me um, how many children I wanted when I was at Grace, the number was zero. Um, I was not, um, I wanted a career. I think being an athlete and I was just incredibly driven and um, I wanted to have a high power career in some way. And so um, we had two children, um, which were such a blessing, Bailey and Silas. And I was teaching in the school district and I saw this need for homes for, for children that were in foster care. And I just said, well, we, we, could, we could have a foster kid in our home. And that was kind of the end of that story. Um, we, we started fostering and, and um, ended up um, doing medical foster kids because our oldest had been born with a um, cardiac condition. And so we were pretty well versed in running medical stuff. And um, I, I wouldn't say that we, ha we started out with a, with a heart for um, special needs or, or adoption in general. It was just almost like there's a need. I think we can maybe fill it. And that was kind of, I think the rest is history as far as that. Hmm. Wow. So uh, your kids have uh, come from different places. Um, t tell us uh, domestic adoptions, international. How, how does that break out amongst the, the five that you have? So our middle three, um, they were what are called medically fo um, fragile foster children. So they all came to us with some pretty extreme medical needs. Um, medically fragile when it's um, within the system means that a, a typical foster home is, is not equipped to handle mm -hmm. um, a child with, with those needs. And so we, we dealt with feeding tubes and oxygen and vents and um, cardiac meds and all kinds of crazy stuff in our home. And so our, our three middle children were, were adopted as medically fragile children. And then um, our two youngest children are adopted from um, Bulgaria. And in the process of that, when you started adopting from Bulgaria is when uh, it, you started telling your story a little bit more. You started with the blog, right, Ransom for Israel. Tell us a little bit about um, that name and, and even that outlet as, uh, as a blog, as a way to tell a little bit of your story. Interestingly, I've never thought of myself as a writer. I thought probably my mom only read anything that I would have ever written. Um, I, I will tell you that... Um, Israel and our adoption of Israel completely um, destroyed my life and not in not in the way that you think sounds ugly in the way that who I was before Israel is who not who I am now I um, again was still very driven I felt like I could achieve and fix anything that if I set my mind to something that I could make it right and so um, Israel had come across my Facebook feed. And so I'm like, Darren, we should go adopt this little boy because if not, he's going to end up in an adult mental institution. And, and in my mind, I was achievement driven at the time. Like, okay, I can go and I can fix this. I can fix this wrong that's being done. And um, there was one moment of time, and this is when the blog kind of started, was um, – I went to visit him the first time. You make two trips. And so the first visit, um, I walked into the orphanage, and it's this stone building that's, like, crumbling. And there's 300 children housed there, and it's silent in there. And I just remember thinking, how is it so quiet in a building with all these kids? And um, 
they bring me into this room and they bring Israel to me. And I was like horrified. I didn't want to hold him. He was like skeletal and he was broken and smelled bad and his teeth were all bad. And he kind of was screeching because he didn't have any language. He was four and a half and didn't have language. And mm. um, I just thought, oh, my gosh, I cannot, I cannot do this. Like, I, there's no, I, I can't, like, and I wanted to run away. And so I went back to the hotel that night, and I, I, I literally got on my knees, and I said, God, I, please, I can't, I cannot do this. Like, I'm going to destroy my family. I can't bring home this feral kid because I can't fix this. And I had to go back the next day, and when I went back, they told me that I couldn't visit him in the visitation room, they needed to take me back to his room. And I knew, I'm like, oh God, you're gonna make me see something. <laughs> and they took me back down these steps, down to this basement almost area, and um, these metal doors, and above the metal doors was this sign, and I said, what's that sign say? And it says, that says the section of the malformations. So he was in the section of the malformations. And they walk down this hall, and he's by himself in a crib, and he's tied into the crib, and he's just rocking. And um, I sat there for two hours, and there's, like, um, glass walls, so I can see other children. But he sat there for two hours just rocking, and all these other kids were rocking and banging their heads on walls and just, like, drooling. And I'm, like, it was the most horrifying scene I'd ever seen in my life that just destroyed me, like, it was like God just said, you're going to see what I need you to see. Mm. And then it got worse. <laughs> they came in. They said, we heard that you are a nurse. We want you to come with us to see something. And I walked to follow them. And I didn't want to go. And I followed them to this back room. And there's bed after bed of babies that were dying. And I thought, oh, God, like, they are babies that are dying. And so I automatically kind of went into the nurse mode, and I walk over, and I'm like, okay, this child needs this, and here this needs this, baby needs this. And then tr the translator was like, Stacy, they want you to stop. They're not here for you to fix them. These babies are here to die. But they need the NG tubes. They need suction tubes. They're using the same tubing on every baby. And I just left that day and recognized how far driven into my performance in my safe suburban bubble and in my safe life I had become that I had failed to see such a greater, bigger picture. And at that point, I started writing and I started praying that God would use me and take me to places and let me be a voice, voice for kids that had no voice. Mm. And that was like the start of that. Every time we go to another country, we find ourselves, or I find myself taken to rooms that no one's allowed to see. And I just feel like that that was what drove Ransom for Israel was just the, the stories and being a voice for the voiceless. How would you express um, the change God in you, um, you were performance-driven, um, accomplished-driven, felt like you could fix things. How would you express that God changed you to who you are 
today? My, um, my whole life has been about earning God's love. If I do this or I do enough or if I'm good enough, then I'm going to earn something. And this has helped me recognize that there's nothing, my, my works or my deeds are filthy rags. And, um, you know, my greatest fear in bringing Israel home was having a child that I would have to be diapering and caring for when he's 30 and 40 and 50. And now I'm, I laugh at that because Israel probably will live with me when he's 30 and 40 and 50. And I feel like it's an honor and a blessing and a gift because God has just changed what I have come to value in life and has changed what my definition of success is. My definition of success now is obedience and being obedient each day to what God's called me to do instead of being obedient to the call of the world and what the world tells me is success. Mm-hmm. Darren, you're, uh, you weren't on that first trip, correct? Um, so your wife comes back and, and you start to have an understanding of um, what life's going to become like um, and... Um, uh, this blessing that you have, um, how did God change you or how was, how are you being shaped during that time as well? Yeah. You know, Stacy and I, I think we make a pretty good match in this sense. Like her fears and the things that she struggles with aren't the same as the ones that I do. So we, you know, we kind of complement each other in that sense. And, you know, I felt that there, that was a hard thing that when she called me from Bulgaria and I'm like, well, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't, I, you know, I'm thousands of miles away and I can't, I can't do anything, right? As men, t- we tend to be mm-hmm. fixers, right? I want to fix it. So I think through that process, you know, just a lot of emotional processing of how's this going to look? What are we going to, we know, we knew God asked us to do it. And that was what we, well, you know, I just kind of had to go back to that. Like if God asked us to do it, then we need to do it. And that obedience factor, right? Like, it was what he called us to, and so we had to trust that he would work out the rest of the details. He would worked out all the other details in the adoption, the fundraising of thousands and thousands of dollars and all the support and all the, all that he had taken care of. And now we're at that point where it's like the, – and so we – when we were fostering, we um, – there's a lot of fear, right? The phone rings, and you're like, I, I don't know what, what's on the other end of that line. Like, are they – and so then, so th- and through that, we just decided, you know, we didn't ever want to make decisions based on fear because it's antithetical to what we feel like is our faith. And so we just said, you know, God, if that phone rings, we're going to say yes. That's it. And doesn't matter what we're not going to ask any detail. We we would we would want to know information, but not to decide yes or no. Like if any kid, if you if you want them to come to our home, we're going to say yes. And so we kind of went back to that. Like this is the one child on the planet. How did we end up with this one? Well, obviously, we felt like the Lord directed us to him. And so now, you know, hindsight, you look back and you, I mean, like you said, he's the most happiest, joy, joy-filled, joy smiliest kid. He's such a blessing. But there's that initial fear. And I think, um, I think a lot of that is natural. We just have our own fears. And then, you know, in so many circumstances, when you're trying to be obedient, you know, the enemy tells you. He will bring up the fear. And, mm-hmm. and so we, we just, um, again, went back to saying, okay, well, you told us we're gonna, you're going to take care of it, so you better come through because, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you don't come through, we're in big trouble. You not only became, obviously, advocates for your own kids and caring for them, but 
um, started to use the outlets God had given you to become a, a voice for the voiceless. Um, and that led to a Facebook post that I'm sure you didn't have planned would go viral um, and ends up with you on the Today Show. Um, and tell us a little bit about the like the circumstances behind the Facebook post and and why you think it became national news, um, what you expressed and why you expressed it. Um, we had gone to a new church um, on a Sunday. Our oldest son was presenting um, with the youth group. And so um, I had walked my middle son back to the children's church um, just like any parent would. And just as a um, little background, my middle son, um, Joel, has what is called golden heart syndrome, which is um, he's missing portions of his face and his ear. So he he definitely looks very different. Um, and so we, I had walked him into children's church, and when we walked through the doors, um, every child in the children's church stopped talking, started looking at him, pointing at him, and then whispering to each other. And I watched my kid, like it was almost like normally in that circumstance, I would have stepped in and like started teaching these kids about differences. Um, but I, it was like I just stepped back and I looked at my son and he completely just drew, like melted his, I mean, he looked just like the saddest thing you've ever seen, ran to the back of the room and put his head in his, in his arms on a table. And I was just like so disappointed. And so I walked back and I said to him, do you want to sit with me in church? And he said, yes. And so he sat with me in church and he held my hand and he took a pen and he wrote on my hand, Joel loves mom. And um, I was so sad for him because like to, to have a facial difference, everyone looks at faces every day and to always just be stared at or whispered at, like I felt like um, I just, I just was disappointed. And so I had written a post that just said, please teach your kids about differences teach your children that they will see people in wheelchairs they will see people of different color they will see people with walkers they will see people with an out out an ear or without an arm or without a leg like show them we have the beautiful world wide web and the ability to show our kids pictures of people that are different because if we don't prepare our kids then what happens is kids get stared at and whispered about and pointed at and so I had written that and it just went, yeah, viral, <laughs> which was not something that I intended. I just intended to educate mm. parents. Mm. So, so important. Right. And to let our kids know that, you know, everyone is made in God's image mm -hmm. um, and everyone is important. And how, how do we teach them the value right. of the individual? Um, and so you end up um, then with the opportunity to express that message, you know, on the Today Show. Yeah. Um, he, there's not a bigger microphone. There might have been a few more people listening that day than will watch this, maybe just a few. <laughs> um, so, you know, you get that opportunity. And, and what are, tell us about, like, what's your feeling when, when you get this call about, like, hey, come to the D Today Show and share this story around the world well first of all they asked if i would bring all my kids and i laughed and said no <laughs> i can't imagine managing all my children on stage for the whole world but no it was very very 
surreal. I think, I mean, that's just not a world that we, we travel in or live within. And, and so, and, and nerve wracking, I mean, but Megan Kelly was super down to earth and, and very nice. And I think from that, what was really cool is we ended up writing a children's book um, that was published and, and did pretty well called Cowboy Joel and the Wild Wild West. And it's set for kids and um, he got to be a huge part of it. Mm. And that was really neat to be able to do. And, but yeah, it just, I think, it kind of launched us into having a little bit of a message and, and, and being able to what we believe is that every child has worth in this world. And, um, you know, and that's that's the premise of everything that we try and do, even mm-hmm. with Lost Barrows. And you started Lost Barrows then not not long after. Tell us, like, what is Lost Barrows? What's your overall mission and how do you carry that mission out? Yeah, we so after we adopted Israel, you know, talking with lots of friends and stuff, we so in, in, and even I want to say in that process getting ready to adopt, you know, we didn't know what God, after she went back to nursing school, we kind of didn't know what was the right next answer for us. And so we, there was a video that we had seen. Um, I don't know who shared that with us, but it was a video by Eric Ludy. It's called Depraved Indifference. And it's, uh, this is an amazing sort of a motivational little short clip. And so, you know, we kind of watch and it talks about, adoption about how how this is such a need that's there and so um it kind of helped motivate us and solidify in our mind we felt like god kind of used it just to talk to us a little bit and say you know this is really what i want you to do and so again so then after we get israel home and we our eyes were opened so in the video he talks about the idea that depraved indifference once your eyes are open to a problem you can't ignore it right you can't just keep going about your everyday life and pretend that you don't know and so um we felt like we needed to do something. But, you know, what do you do? How do you change countries across the globe? And how do you think this is a huge problem? There's six uh, million orphans or something, you know, in the world, like there's so many. And so, so we, with some friends, with some support of our, some really good friends back in Arizona, started Lost Barrows. And the goal was like, okay, well, we're again, not sure how God's going to use it, but we got to try to do something. And we have some contacts in Bulgaria that we work with and still work with that. Um, have helped us to do uh, a lot of neat things there. But so then the first year or so, that's where we spent our time was in Bulgaria. And then since then, some other doors have opened. We have some really good friends that are in um, Bosnia, they're in Sarajevo. And so we have expanded there. And into uh, last year, last April, Stacy was in Moscow. Um, so we, I think she was gone 21 days on that trip straight. I mean, it was a lot. And so juggling seven kids, five special needs kids, trying to have both of us have a job and Lost Bros, like it's 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 a lot. But we know God had called us to do it. So he's equipped us. He's given us the talents and he's mm-hmm. provided financially in a lot of ways for, for us to do some amazing things. But it's just our our way to see how we can provide homes and families for those kids um, that are stuck in those orphanages. Now, beyond... Um working with orphanages and kids and, and hopefully getting them into the homes where they can have the proper care. You've become educators as well, um, doing your own conferences and sessions and then going and speaking elsewhere. Tell us a little bit about, you know, what you get to do now out on the, out on the road and, and what's the message you're 
trying to get across to families. Absolutely. So what what's beautiful is is Los Barros is education in the states as well. I, I feel like when you start working with kids and you're looking at trauma and the life of kids and adoption and foster care and all these things, we um, should no longer be looking at geographical lines. any of those things. And so what we teach in the U.S. is what we do in Russia, in the Philippines, and in Bulgaria and Bosnia and all those places. We are working to equip foster families and families to take care of children that have been exposed to hard things. We also are doing what we call supporting first families, which is you know, the best thing is that a child never leave their first family. And so we aren't supporting orphanages. We're supporting first families and we're supporting children to be taken from orphanages and placed into family. And in the United States, the education that we do is supporting families in um, working with kids that have come from hard things, but also, you know, working within the jail system, I'm working with first families, working with bio families, I'm working with first families. And so Los Barros is, yes, international, but we also do a lot of things here. And so we do a lot of trainings and things that um, through Los Barros here. And you talked a little bit before we started uh, the podcast about, you know, neuroscience and just all the things that you have learned and and you know if you have just a few minutes which we have on this podcast to really educate somebody on hey this is what this is what trauma is and this is what it does and you know who regardless of who you are here's here's a little snippet of at least what you need to know and understand as you interact with others um what would you say so i would say that i feel like even for me the one lie that i believed was that kids were resilient I truly believed that kids could bounce back from things and it not change them. And what we teach is an understanding that starting in utero, that children, when they are exposed to things that are traumatic or they are moved out of their stress response window, it actually changes and alters the brain. And then what we see, whether it's in the classroom or in our home, is a maladaptive response to stress. And so in the classroom, you see children who don't respond to rewards and punishments. You see children that um, maybe look ADHD and we want to medicate them, or we see children that are dissociated and we we can't figure out why they're not, they're daydreaming all the time. You know, in our home, those are our kids that are just out of control and I don't know what's wrong with this kid. And so what I've recognized and what we try and teach is what's the science behind that? How do we foster relationship and how do we manipulate environment to support kids whose brains have been changed from early childhood experiences to be able to be successful as they grow mm. yeah and what i would add would be that parents if uh any any parents that are really frustrated by their experience of trying to work with kids and it's not going well like we hear a lot of stories from a lot of parents we talk to them all the time it's really frustrating when you don't have an answer, right? You're trying to raise a kid that has problems that you don't have the solution to. And what I would say is there is an answer that it is that we do now know a lot more. Human behavior is really predictable. And so if, if you're one of those parents that's really frustrated and struggling, there are answers. You just gotta, you gotta find, you gotta know where to find them. And so like our training classes that we do um, through a lot of different resources, it, it, I mean, not saying it's easy to find them, but the, the, the answers and solutions are out there. You just gotta, 
you got to navigate through all those things to find them. But I just know there's a lot of really frustrated parents who are at the end of their rope, sort of like not knowing how to proceed. And so I would just encourage them to start reading. They they can learn a lot. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of how we did we through through experience and then reading books by Bruce Perry and Karen Purvis and Brian Post and um, Vander Kolk's book, all those, like you can educate yourself on, and it will make a huge difference in the way you interact with your kids. Mm-hmm. Stacey, you just returned from Bosnia in Croatia. Is that right? Yes. Give us a sort of, you you take these trips, but give us kind of a, what did you do there? Like what did a, a typical day look like? So we know, you know, really, what does it look like when you go on one of these trips to one of these Eastern European countries? Wow, it's a, a typical day as you hit the ground running and then you fall into your bed at night. But, um, you know, this last trip was um, a big planning trip. We have a huge conference rolling out in April that we'll be teaching at where we're expecting probably 500 people in Over that there country. In, yes, in, in Europe? Yep, okay. in Europe um, coming um and we're actually getting scholarshiped in over 200 foster families because wow. we're starting to roll that out. Um, so part of that conference, though, was meeting with ministry officials and inviting them to be on a panel because we want to drive policy change. I'm I'm a big a, a big preventionist, and so I want to not just be only boots on the ground. I want to try and drive policy because I can look at the big picture in this country and recognize like, okay, wow, it's an option for me to place my child in an orphanage and just make a phone call every six months and they can stay there till they're 18. Okay, that's not a good policy. Let's talk about a policy change. Um, Let's talk about foster parents being allowed to adopt their foster children. All of these are policy changes that you can help um, educate and work alongside of um, politicians there. Uh-huh. Um, the other thing that we did is that we um, we believe in stopping the flood of babies into orphanages in the first place. And they have an exorbitant a number of special needs children that are placed in orphanages because at birth, most moms are told, you will not be capable of raising this child. Mm. And so we did a really large um, dinner for special needs moms. Um, because majority of 70% of women are raising their children on their own um, because at birth, basically, the dad says, if you're keeping the baby, I'm leaving. So we did a huge dinner where we spoiled the heck out of these moms and just, you know, breathed life into them saying, look, we, we see you. Keep doing this. We're here to help you. We're here to stand behind you. And so they're also um, helping drive policy change for children with special needs and adults with special needs. Mm. And then I also went to um, a large, um, I got to speak at a large gathering or forum with World Without Orphans, which there were eight countries represented, and talking about what Lost Barrows is doing and looking at spreading across the Balkans trauma-informed care and trauma-informed parenting. And that's what our conference will be about. It's all about understanding trauma in the brain. And so um, that's in a nutshell, Mm. (laughs) kind of the, the time there. So it's uh, it's amazing in just these few short minutes to hear the many places God's taken you as you've just said, yes, Uh, we're not sure what's on the other side of this. Yes, but we're going to say yes. Um, And uh, as someone who has adopted, I'm thankful for those who um, have assisted in bringing information to the rest of us. So thank you so much for what you're doing. And, you know, at Grace College, we want our grads to go out and live 
purpose-filled lives. And we have a specific meaning for that. It's not just, you know, go make more money or uh, go be famous. It's go make a difference. Um, And so uh, you are a great example of that. So thank you for um, not only what you do behind the scenes that we don't ever see, um, but also thank you for being willing to share a little bit of your story with us today. What's the best way for people to be able to connect and to find you? Um, if, if you go on lostbarrows.org, um, you can see a lot of what we're doing. Um, also, you can follow us on Facebook. We have a Lost Barrows page. Um, and then I also have a personal page that I share a lot of the stuff that I write, and it's under Stacy Jackson Gagnon. Um, so, you know, that's definitely, I think, a way. Oh, one other thing. Um, we have a, um, a lot of our trainings um, have been um, put out through a website called traumalenscare.org. The lens is L-E-N-S. And so those are tr- free training videos that um, Arizona has um, contracted us to do. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for being here with us today and sharing your story. Well, we appreciated our time at Grace. We we definitely were shaped by many incredible instructors and also our coaches. Mm, yep, absolutely. In fact, you know, one of our professors that did premarital counseling told us we shouldn't get married. So that's one of our <laughs> things. We always think back to that, and we were like, hmm, you, you guys are not a good fit for each other. That's what we were told. So that, that, that always is a good story from our time at Grace. But Grace was instrumental in us becoming who You we should are. listen to most of what your professors <laughs> say, but maybe not everything, yeah. huh, is, what, is yeah. what the lesson is. Good. Well, thank you. Thank you so much and thank you everyone for listening to the Grace Story podcast. Our music was written and produced by Dr. Wally Brath, Assistant Professor of Worship Arts at Grace College. And thanks to Andrew Palladino and Rick Neer, our co-producers. And if you can do us a huge favor, please rate or comment on this wherever you retrieved it from and we'd be so grateful. Until next time, live your best Grace Story today.